Hello and welcome to Life in Their Sandals. This is a podcast where we dive deep into the lives of biblical people to determine how we should live as Christians today. I'm your host, Chris McGrath, and today we have the great opportunity to talk about the baptism of Jesus and also his period of temptation in the wilderness by the devil. This narrative really starts with the preaching ministry of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and he's saying things to all the people there like, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And how, just like the prophet Isaiah said, there's a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John at this time is He's preaching these fiery messages full of hope and purpose for Israel, is wearing clothes made out of camel's hair, and eating locusts with wild honey. John is preaching all the things that the Old Testament said the forerunner of Christ would preach. John, when he sees a group of Pharisees and Sadducees come out to the Jordan, first he calls them a generation of vipers, and he asks them, Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring fruits of repentance. And don't say to yourself that you're justified because Abraham is your father. Because God is able to raise up these stones around us as children of Abraham. Furthermore, John finishes this uh, great sermon recorded here in Matthew 3 by saying that the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree that doesn't bring forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I'm coming to baptize you with water unto repentance. But there's one that's coming after me who's mightier than I am. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garners, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John is making it clear to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of those who have gathered, the publicans, the common people, the Roman soldiers, that there is somebody coming and we've got to prepare for their arrival. We've got to repent. We've got to be ready to accept in faith the kingdom that the one who is coming to meet us is offering. As John is preaching these things one day, Jesus comes up from Galilee to the Jordan And he sees John, and he says that he wants to be baptized of him. But John forbids Jesus, and he tells him that I have need to be baptized of you. Why did you come to me? Jesus says to him that, no, you you should baptize me. And the reason is that it has to fulfill all righteousness. John didn't protest anymore, but he baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. The scripture says that Jesus, when he was baptized, he came up straightway out of the water. And the heavens were opened and saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus, after being baptized, then finds himself in the wilderness. And what is he doing? But he is fasting for 40 days. Jesus, after this period of 40 days of fasting, the scripture says he was hungry. Satan shows up right at this moment as he often does at a time where we're weak, at a time when he thinks that he can trick us. And Satan tries to trick Jesus into commanding the stones to be bread. Jesus responds by going back to the word of God and tells Satan that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Scripture says then that 
Satan, supernaturally, takes Jesus to the top of the temple, at the very pinnacle. And he says to him, if you're the son of God, then throw yourself down. For it's written, he shall give his angel charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said to Satan, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Satan then decides to tempt Jesus for the last time. And you can see the desperation. Wasn't able to trick him with the bread and wasn't able to trick him with exalting himself and his pride so that people would see how great he was. And Satan then does something very desperate. He says to Jesus after showing him a vision of all the kingdoms of the world, these supernatural way that Satan could just pull up almost like a PowerPoint presentation is the way I'm thinking about it in my mind. And as each kingdom passes before the eyes of Jesus, he sees kingdoms like Persia, Greece, Rome, Egypt, maybe even kingdoms that weren't even known to Israel at this time. And Satan tells Jesus that if you would just fall down and worship me, the thing that Satan wanted from the very beginning in heaven, then I will give you all of these kingdoms. Jesus then responds even more sharply with the strongest rebuke yet by saying, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. The scripture says then that the devil left him, and the angels came and ministered unto him. That is how that period of his baptism and then the 40-day fast ended, and Jesus would then later go on to start his preaching ministry in Galilee. These two narratives are so vitally important to understanding the life of Christ. So what are some of the takeaways that we can apply to our life today? Number one is that John's word is still very much applicable to us today. All of us are going to either produce good fruit or evil fruit. And just as it was in the time of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, we're not going to be saved just by who we are. We're not going to be saved just because we're in church. We're not going to be saved just because we have the right last name or because we have connections on this earth. But we will be saved not according to the works we do, but by the faith that we express in Jesus, which will manifest itself in works. So if we have no works, then it's likely to assume we have no faith. And just as the Pharisees and Sadducees had no fruit of repentance and were not able to produce any and were condemned, the same is true of us. If we're not doing things that bear fruit, spiritual fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, then the Lord is not going to be pleased with us. Another powerful takeaway for the Christian today is this. Satan is not omniscient. He is not ever-present. Those attributes only belong to God. Satan did not know, I'm here to tell you today on this podcast, who Jesus was. In fact, the pride of Satan did not even allow him to comprehend that God himself could have manifested in the flesh. Now you might ask, well then, how could Satan, clearly he knows something about the scriptures, how could he not have foreseen this? Because this is what the scripture says. And the answer is this, the mysteries of the Old Testament were not known to even the disciples, to even many of the Pharisees and Sadducees. It was not something that was common knowledge as it is today for Christians, primarily because it takes faith to be able to see the mysteries of the Bible. The reason that Satan didn't know who Jesus was is because 
he was not in a place to see it spiritually. He wasn't omniscient. He's not ever present. This is proved by the fact that Satan could not kill Jesus when he was a baby. He tried through manipulating Herod the Great to kill all of the kids that had been born in this city of David, but he wasn't able to. And now Jesus is a grown man. And how does Satan know that Jesus is now the Christ, is the Messiah? The answer is simple, because of what happened at the baptism. Jesus, after he came out of the water, the voice spoke to all the people there. The voice was not the voice of a father telling a son as two separate persons that it was proud of him. No, the voice was a manifestation of the spirit of God exclaiming to all the people there that Jesus was the Messiah. The voice was not for Jesus because in Jesus dwelled the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The voice was for John, who would later say that this is how he knew who Jesus was. Well, then it's likely to assume that if the voice and the dove were how John knew who Jesus truly was, then that is also how Satan knew who Jesus was. And that is why only now, after the baptism, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. But notice this, because Satan waited until Jesus was likely at his most weak state to tempt him. Satan shows up after he had fasted for 40 days. And herein, we glean some insight into Satan's misconceptions of real power. Satan thought that he had the greatest chance of tempting Jesus during this uh, period of physical weakness because of his fasting. But I would submit to you that although Jesus was likely very physically weak, it's logical to think that because of the recent anointing at his baptism and because of his uh, denial for fleshly desires that happens when you fast, that Jesus might have never been as spiritually strong. Satan in this moment of temptation tempts Jesus in all the ways that we are tempted today. As Christians, we can't be ignorant of his devices because just the way that he tried to tempt Jesus is exactly how he does it today. By trying to get Jesus to turn the stones in the bread, he was tempting him with the lust of the flesh. By trying to get Jesus to jump off the top of the temple to prove to everyone how powerful he was and how he could command the angels to catch him. Satan was trying to convince Jesus to give in to the pride of life, a, a sinful pride that yearned for the praise of men more than the fulfillment of the will of God. Satan also, frustrated at the resilience of Jesus, desperately tempted him by showing him a vision of all the kingdoms of the world, that if he would bow down and worship him, then Satan would give him all of these kingdoms. And the funny thing from this, and this is the last takeaway that I have from this narrative today is that Satan thought that he was the one in control of these kingdoms. And as those kingdoms passed before the eyes of Jesus of Rome and Egypt and Greece and Persia, Jesus knew these kingdoms don't belong to Satan. Satan was too foolish to realize that he was tempting Jesus with something that he already had. Because as every Christian knows, it is the Lord who allows men and women to gain prominence and position in this life and not Satan. The powers that be are ordained of God. Even if it seems like evil is working and running rampant, the powers that be are ordained of God. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this second episode of The Life of Jesus. We're talking about his baptism and also his period of temptation in the wilderness. I hope you tune in next week. We will be talking about someone who is very integral to the story of the Bible, and I know that you will enjoy it. Hope to see you next time, but in the meantime, be blessed. Have a great week.